G'day, g'day. This is Rita Join, and welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast, how to turn a passion into a profession. Today's topic is skills that you will, skills that will help you crush 2020. Skills that will help you crush 2020. These are the skills that I have simmered down from the interviews that I've done on this podcast series, from people who have created social enterprises, from people who have created charities, from people who have created for-profit businesses. They may not be celebrities in the traditional sense, but they definitely have made an impact and influence and a transformation, not only for their own life, but the lives in which they serve through their work. So here is a list of things that I've collected from the skill sets that these guys have really been able to hone on and they're still working on and the skills that you and I can take on board as we adventure into 2020. The first one is decision making. I realized that when I'm teaching emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence is nothing but the ability to read your own emotions and as such be able to read someone else's emotions. And the greatest level of, and I've talked about the marshmallow experiment, I've talked about the coffee experiment, I've talked about all these things that create emotional intelligence such that you can build self-awareness, you can read yourself. And one of the reasons, one of the things that I've, that I've discovered is all emotional intelligence is, at the end of the day, at the lowest common denominator, is decision-making. Because everything works off a decision, the decision to say yes, the decision to say no, the decision to hesitate, the decision to go all in, all comes, whatever comes from the effect of that, whatever action, whatever behavior, whatever result, comes from the fact that you and I make a decision. However insignificant it may seem, or however significant it is, it all comes from decision. So the fastest way that I can understand, I, I've grasped to really hone in on the decision-making muscle is to make more of them is to make more of them. And conversely, is decisions that I don't wanna make that I've really improved is I don't ask for people's opinion in terms of how do I look in this? What do you think of this? If it's, if it's an expert and I need to have a doctor's opinion on something, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that kind of a thing. And a lot of that also depends in the same realm of saying that. Then I will go and seek uh, expert advice, quote unquote. But it, when I put myself into what do you think of this, how do you think I should do it, I'm also opening myself up to a vulnerable place where now I will take the opinions of people who are, and their opinions who are not welcome. You know what I mean? I mean? People make a passing comment or make a judgment and you hear about it and then you take that, you internalise that. To stop that, I have found for myself, I have found that I have to stop asking for people's opinion about what they think because by me stopping that, I stop like just unconsciously, it stops this opinion that might float around me by someone making an opinion, you know, no ill intent, just someone making opinion, but I just, it doesn't permeate through me, God willing, so far it hasn't. And so, and may that continue. So my point is that, and it all comes from the decision that I didn't want to have people's opinion affect me. And so how would I do that? I have to stop asking for opinion. Dale Carnegie said the cheapest thing in the world is opinion. You know, everyone has them. Uh, and the fact is that if people, if people had to pay for opinion, there would be less of them, says Dale Carnegie. And for that rough reason is because that doesn't cost anything and anyone can just say whatever they want. So decision-making, and that decision for me to stop asking the opinion of just even as simple as what do you think this looks on me, I've got to make that decision on myself, how I see it on, on me, 
Do I like it? Do I think it looks good, bad, ugly, indifferent? And then I make a decision as to continue wearing it or not wearing it or change it into something else, whatever. But I'm sharing that's very something small because those things matter. Every decision builds to the significant one. The habit and behavior of how you treat everything slowly builds to how you treat the bigger things because that's the habit way of you, make it, you making a decision. And so the first one is really hone in on your decision-making skills and really look into what decisions you need to make and what decisions you need to make in terms of creating a buffer for yourself to protect your own sanity, to protect your own, what, just like we, we, we look into, you know, what can't, we can't eat junk food, we can't eat ice cream every single day, we can't eat uh, you know, McDonald's every day, you can't eat Hungry Jack's every day. It's also the fact that you can't allow every other opinion to permeate through your brain every single day because that becomes the junk. And just like we, we, we say that our bodies to make sure we don't go into ill health, we've got to sever our mind so that it doesn't go mental. You know what I mean? Like that's the takeaway. The second thing is public speaking. Public speaking is a skill that, that really does, and many people are scared of it. Many people don't want to do it. Many people have a tendency to hesitate. And public speaking is like any other skill. It's like going to the gym. Once you go and then you go again and you're going to go and you're going to go and blah, 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 blah. The more you go, the more toned, the more honed down. You just stop going to the gym after six months of going. Suddenly you start to, you know, sag a little bit. You know what? The muscle that was there is not there anymore. You went six, uh, consistently for six months to the gym and then you don't go for a month, for two months, three months. The body is going to show. And then when you go back to the gym after not having gone for three months, your body's going to feel sore. Your body's going to feel like it's pushing harder than what it felt like before. because the body takes time to get back to that level. Same with public speaking. When you do one talk, two talks, three talks, and then you have a break and you don't do a talk for a long time, then when you get back into it, why am I nervous again? It's because you've delayed that time and therefore it takes time for the mind just to get back into the swing of things. I know that when I've done workshop tours and then I've gone to be asked to speak at certain places and off the cuff, I'm just ready to roll, like, you know, I'm just ready to go. But then you put me on stage after some time that I haven't spoken for a while, it takes me a while to get into the groove again. I get nervous. I still get nervous, even though I think like I've got it all. I'm still nervous. I'm still like, you know, like just feeling a bit like butterflies in my stomach. I still get all of that. But the more you practice public speaking and the reason why it's a skill that you really want to just really jump into is because well, to get what you want or to be able to help anyone requires your communication. Whether it's in an interview, whether it's speaking to a large audience, whether it's speaking to your kids, it's about that level of communication. And the reason why I say public speaking is because if you can public speak and just get used to that and just get used to the butterflies and the nervousness and spreading a message through your speaking, then when it comes to the interview, when it comes to speaking to your kids, when it comes to the one-on-one -on -one conversation, that's not as daunting because when I, I always say, if the training is harder than the real thing, then the real thing will become easier, right? So the second thing is public speaking. The third thing is keeping your word to yourself. Seth Godin says the two skills for anyone to learn, especially when you're in school, is to solve interesting problems. It's to solve interesting problems and to lead people. And the best way to lead people is to first lead yourself. And to lead yourself requires keeping your word to yourself. So when you say you're going to do X, you're going to do Y, you're going to go here, you're going to go there, keeping your word to yourself builds confidence. 
it builds the fact that you can rely on yourself. So when an opportunity comes up, you get a sponsorship deal, that you get asked to get a request to do something, you're not gonna, you're gonna freak out and get nervous, you will, and that's normal, and that's fine, we all do that, but you won't have any distrust in yourself. The distrust will be minimized because you've got now a reference, a trail, a habit of you keeping your word to yourself. And that's how you lead yourself. And that leadership of leading yourself, that allows someone else to take notice of you, which is why you get the requests, further requests. And that then allows you the opportunity to solve interesting problems. So one leads to the other. And everyone on my podcast has solved interesting problems. Everyone on my podcast uh, has been able to lead themselves first before they've been able to generate a following of people who have sought after and really believed in their cause and their work, whether it's profit or non-profit, but it has stemmed from the fact that they have had to lead themselves. And keeping your word to yourself is one of the fundamental things of leadership. So that's one, two. So that's decision-making, public speaking, keeping your word to yourself. Number four is problems, solving problems, which I just mentioned. Anytime you're, you're given a situation where it's frustrating, where it's just like, like it's just frustrating. That's the best word I can, I can really think of. Anytime a situation is frustrating for you, that's a great time to find how you can problem solve. Because if you're finding it frustrating, probably someone else is as well. And if someone else is finding it frustrating, that's an opportunity to solve that problem. So one of my guests on the podcast was a gentleman who created a social enterprise called Catalyzer. He came from Pakistan. He was an engineer. He couldn't get any job. He was working at petrol stations. And that was a problem. He was a qualified engineer, but he couldn't get a job in Australia because he didn't have experience, Australian experience. And so what he decided to do was to create a social enterprise to help migrants and refugees start their own businesses. And that was a problem that he was facing and he, did, he could have just like, you know, gone into a fetal position and started crying, which I'm sure at times he may have. I'm not saying, you know, sorry, you're smart, but he may or may not have. But my point is that he could have just let that problem overwhelm him. Instead, he chose to solve that problem and him solving that problem, he's created the social enterprise. He's now expand, he's had it in Sydney for three years now, I believe. He's expanded it to Melbourne. Australia and he's now expanded it to New Zealand all within three years. So three years ago, he was a guy who couldn't get a job in his field. Three years ago, he was a guy who just, who just wanted an opportunity. And so he got on his own two feet and started to solve this one problem, which then created so many opportunities. And he became Commonwealth Person of the Year last year. Prince Harry presented him an award. And remember, just three years ago, he couldn't get a job in his field. And last year, Prince Harry presented him with the Commonwealth Person of the Year, a young person of the year, because of his work. And that's pretty inspirational. So solving problems. The second, the second. The fifth thing is questions. The quality of, Anthony Robbins says this, the quality of questions creates a quality of life. The quality of questions that you ask creates a quality of life. I've always said that our brain is like Google. Google copied the brain. When we ask our brain a question like, why can't I ever get this right? Like, why can't I ever be able to speak in public? Well, the brain says, well, because you get nervous and you can't and you stuff it up. 
the brain will answer any question you ask it, even though it might be rhetorical, even though it just might be off the cuff of a question. But the brain will answer any question you ask of it. And so it's very important to ask questions that will allow the brain to help and support and encourage you rather than stifle and silence you. And that's what you want to take on board. So questions. So questions like, how can I get better at this? How can I see where my mistakes were? How can I improve on this? How can I make it better than what it was? Rather than questions that that allow this just don't allow you to move forward which is really what it is and so be very conscious of what questions you're asking yourself questions like why does this always happen to me it's a very you know like it's, it's a very tempting question to ask yourself when you're in a very difficult moment and it's a question as much as it's and i have to remind myself as much as it's very tempting to ask that question it will it will just it will just like it'll stunt your growth it won't let you move forward because why does it always happen to me well, because whatever the brain will say to you, because you're not good enough or because you're always late or whatever it is, the brain will create, will give you an answer that because the question isn't positive, it's not progressive, it won't move you forward, then the brain will just give you the same suit, like it'll give you the same response in the same realm. So questions make a huge difference. So pay attention to the questions because no one on my podcast has ever said the questions I ask make a difference. But they had to have asked themselves, how can I make this happen? Usman, the founder of Catalyzer, had to ask, how can I create jobs for migrants and refugees like myself? And then how can I not only create jobs, how can I help them create businesses and how can I help myself? That's a question he might have to, had to have asked to get to the solution, the answer to the thing that he's created right now. You, you see what I mean? So questions creates the quality of life. The next one is self-judgment. Self-judgment is very similar, which is what questions you ask yourself, it stems from that, but it's judging yourself. Judging yourself in terms of I'm not good enough, that, oh my God, that was a stupid thing to say, that was a stupid thing to wear, oh my God, look, I look terrible at that, or look, uh, I'm terrible at that particular thing, or I don't look good here. And there's time to be honest, and there's a time to stop the judgment, because every time you judge yourself, you're not moving forward. In fact. I find that men have a lower rate of self-judgment than women. Women, I find, judge themselves a lot more, a lot harsher than what men do. And the reason is that sometimes we feel like we need to punish ourselves for wearing that thing or not doing that thing or whatever it might have been. But judging yourself, the, the bad part of when you judge yourself, then you're prone to judging others. And when you judge someone else, you've just taken your eye off the ball and now you've given your attention to someone else and it's probably not positive attention because no judgment is positive attention you're not helping anyone you're, you're bringing someone else down and bringing someone else down doesn't necessarily doesn't ever bring you or anyone else up so be wary of self-judgment because when you self-judge that gives you permission unconsciously to make judgment of others and that regresses you, that puts you back. It's like Oprah Winfrey once said in one of her talks, she said every single year of doing her talk show, someone would create a new talk show. Someone would create a new talk show. Like every single year, there'd be two, three people having a new show. And she'd always tell her team, she said, she'd always tell her team, just keep your eye on what we're doing. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. 
Just keep your eye and your focus on what we're doing. Because she said, it's like a race in a marathon. If you're running in a marathon, the energy that it takes to turn around and look at what someone else is doing is the energy you're taking away for you to step forward. Does that make sense? And so that wasted energy doesn't do anything. All you're doing is taking a look at the person in the back and now you've lost the momentum and now you're kind of just scrambling to get ahead, right? So that's a really important analogy in this. And that and judgment will stop it in your track. So how do you stop judging others? Stop judging yourself. Then last one is self-awareness. Really getting to know yourself. I find that anyone who has been homeschooled, I find that anyone who's been to a school like Steiner, which was where my guest had gone to school yesterday, and if you haven't heard that, that's a great interview, how to be a ghostwriter, how to turn your writing into a full-time professional income, where you're actually working for an income, you're not a starving artist. Well, she told me that she went to a school called Steiner and they really work on developing um, your skill set and they're telling you what are you good at rather than here's a curriculum and go just memorize the curriculum and do what we say. They really hone their students into developing themselves. And what that gives them is self-awareness. What homeschooling, I interviewed someone on the podcast, I believe she's got seven kids and she homeschools all of them. I think seven or nine kids from memory. She's on the podcast. Um, she's got a lot of kids. And I remember, and she runs her own business. And I remember asking her how, like, what difference has it made? She said, well, one of her son was doing year 10 maths when he was only in year eight. And she said to me, if he was in school, he would just be doing year eight maths and he'd be so bored out of his brain. But because he's being homeschooled, he, she can give him the acceleration that he needs. Now, what does that all mean? It means she is teaching them self-awareness and every child is good at a different skill set, and she's adapting how to teach them and what they're good at. So the kids are building self-awareness. Now, for you and I that didn't get homeschooled or didn't go to any kind of Steiner education where, you know, we were told to embrace what we're good at, self-awareness is hyper important in what you're doing right now. And the way that I, and the way that actually Oprah Winfrey talks about self-awareness is to journal. Because in journaling, you get to reveal about yourself. You get to talk about yourself. You get to reflect. And that reflection creates, you know, joining the dots of why this happened, of why you thought that and why this occurred. And if you rely on your memory, we forget things. But when it's on paper, it tends to trigger the mind. In fact, I was looking at my diary two years ago and I was looking at my goals that I had set. And... What, what, what instantly came to my mind was, oh my God, the goal of having a social enterprise was something that I wanted two years ago, but I actually didn't start to implement until this year. Now, I completely forgot that that was even a goal of mine two years ago. And because I had written that down in a diary, now it had triggered me and I went, of course, there's this connection. I felt an even huger sense of urgency to make it happen. But, and that's kind of the reflection, that's the self-awareness, that's me engaging in my own thoughts, which is what broadens you, which is what gets, allows you to get to know yourself a lot more. So build self-awareness and then watch what you're doing, watch what you gravitate towards, watch what gives you energy, watch what depletes your energy, journal about these things, because that's what in effect allows you to get to know yourself, which is what self-awareness is. So guys, 
The skills that's going to allow you to crush 2020, number one, decision-making, number two, public speaking, number three, keeping your word to yourself, leading, number four, solving interesting problems, number five, asking questions that create a quality of life, number six, stopping self-judgment, and number seven, creating self-awareness. And in each one of those cases, I told you how to do that. So please go ahead and pick one or pick all of them and start working on it and start seeing where can you improve your communication? Where can you build self-awareness? How can you do that? How can you create a decision that's going to really stand, have you stand out and really put you on the trajectory of your vision, of your highest vision for 2020? Thank you so much for listening, guys. I always appreciate your attention. Every time that you tune in, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you found this episode interesting, if you like this episode, please let me know by subscribing. Please share it with someone that you know. And my advice to myself and to you is that our life is a gift. With each episode, it's my prayer that we get to unbox it. Wherever you are in your world, whatever you're doing, Thank you so much for your time and God bless.